0: Hello everyone and welcome to another episode of Car Ride Conversations. This is the segment of my podcast that essentially takes place in my car and until the end of October it will be exclusively dedicated to all those courageous people running for office in this year's federal election in Canada. My guest today is none other than the conservative candidate running uh, for the riding of Ville Marie Le Sud-Ouest, Ile des Arts, my good friend Michael Forian. I hope you enjoy this conversation. Oh, back up here, downtown man.
1: Welcome to my riding.
0: <laughs> you know, aside from campaigning, which is probably you know a fun thing for people that are that have uh, some sort of experience in politics, right? You're campaigning downtown, so it doesn't really get much better, does it?
1: <laughs> Honestly, and the thing is too is like when you know the people downtown, and like you to think about the millions of people that come into Montreal just on a daily basis. Uh, let alone the people that live in VinMarie. Yeah. Think about it, you know, 70% of the people that live in VinMarie, the Sud-Ouest, in Desalt, live and work in the riding.
0: Well, it makes sense. 70%. Yeah. yeah.
1: So like the really cool thing is, you know, being able to first off, I have amazing volunteers that come from all over the greater Montreal area. But the fact that they come to school here or they come to work here, Makes them all the mo- mo- all the more willing to get involved in the
0: campaign. It must be difficult though campaigning on the ground because you don't know if the person you're running into is here for work, passing by, or if he actually lives here. Yeah. you know.
1: And that's why the door-to-door game is so important. Yeah. Um, you know, we've done four thousand doors since uh, the past two two and a half months, um, and I'm happy with that thus far. And there's a lot more to do. I want to I want to hit at least ten thousand by the end of the campaign. Yeah. Um, But definitely, I mean, like, it's that's why the door to door is so important. And when you're doing door to door around here in downtown Montreal, especially near Concordia and near McGill, people are very transient. You don't know if they're going to be there. You know, you could knock on their door in, in April they may not be there by October exactly. 21st. Exactly, yeah, yeah, yeah. And yeah. so that's the really big problem right there from being able to identify your voters and ensure that they stay in that apartment so you can actually get them out yeah. on, uh, on election day. And I've had that problem where people are like, well, actually, I'm moving. It's sort of a debate of okay well do you you know where should i be voting should i be staying here and voting for you or well, should i yeah. register in my new riding well, and it's I'm, a whole other yeah. set of logistics just to keeping up with them it's okay crazy. what's
0: your name what's your okay we'll contact you i'll have my guys call you exactly exactly
1: it's it's a nightmare and a half but you know what if you have a good team around you and you have good volunteers you're able to keep track of them yeah yeah so i've been lucky from that perspective there but uh yeah by and large it's been a, it's been a great experience
0: uh, dude, I'm happy that you're here, man. Just a full disclosure to everyone listening or watching: you you were supposed to be on the on the regular podcast. you were you're were among the first people that I reached out to uh, earlier this year, and then your nomination happened. So yes. I was like, you know what? L- let me not bother the guy. Uh, in any case, I was thinking of doing this format you can bother since me back then. It's fine. <laughs> no, but I thought, you know, because I was thinking already to do this. So I'm like, you know what? I'll just we'll just do it uh, uh, further in time, and I, and I'm happy, man. I'm happy that we're finally doing it. I'm happy for you, man. For uh, Uh, For making this move. Uh, Of course you're no stranger to politics. I mean you you have uh, you have quite the experience. Um, Tell me from for for you how did this all start this whole political thing this uh, the interest in politics and getting involved and engaging. First off it's me. Right over there. Yeah, yeah. You see my signs. I, I was, I was going to send you a text message. I was like, good, good job, man. You, 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 beat, the, you beat the race on getting the intersection I, I got, on the René Lévesque in exactly. university. Prime election real estate right there.
1: People, people are telling me, Michael, you've, you've beat Mark Miller at the sign war. So I'm like, it's still pretty competitive at this point. But to answer your question, um, you know, my first passion was journalism. Okay. And for me, I was 16 years old. When I started an internship at CJD, and for me, my, my real passion in journalism was radio, uh, because I have the face for it <laughs> and a voice for print. Yeah. So, in any case, um, I I really wanted to get involved in communications and journalism, and I got really lucky, and I bumped into um, a great guy by the name of Dan Delmar, who took me under his wing, along with Tommy Schermeracker, who's now a former uh, CJD host legend and a yeah. legend in, in his own rights um, and the both of them along with a few other amazing people at CJD took me under their wing and and, and mentored me and for for two two and a half years I, I worked I started as, as an intern working in the public affairs department going into work as a producer uh, part-time and then eventually you know, I was working full-time hours as a, as a full-fledged CJD reporter and this was all happening during the 2012 student crisis. Wow, yeah. Imagine, I was like 17, going on 18, wrapping up Seja, And, you know, you have this ginormous social movement yeah. happening in your backyard. And first off, for a journalist, you're like, wow, this is like, you've hit gold. For sure. Because you can really leave your mark right then and there and say, listen. And, and the thing, too, is that. The thing that also helped me was the fact that nobody, none of the, the senior reporters inside of the newsroom wanted to go onto the streets. I mean, a lot, not a lot of them, because, you know, there's tear gas yeah, yeah, being exactly. dispersed, there's mm-hmm. you know uh, flashbang grenades going off, um, you know, people are getting, you know, reporters along with protesters along with, you know, disruptors are getting hit across the head with uh, police batons. Yeah. I mean, it's a scary time out there, so I was able to take advantage of that. Um, and, and, you know, make a bit of a name for myself as this, you know, young, gutsy reporter going there and hitting the streets. Yeah. And, and it was, albeit that it was very sad to see a lot of the violence that occurred on, on all sides. Um, I was really, uh, I look back and I said to myself, had I not done that, I would not be here where I am today. And it's thanks to those people like Tommy, like Dan, um, that propelled me like that. So hitting, you know, politics. Politics came a little bit after because, you um, You know, CJD was bought by a major media consortium Mm -hmm. and um, consequently, you know, fired about a third of the staff. And I quickly said to myself, you know what? This is not how I'm going to be able to raise a family. Yeah. This is not how I'm going to be able to survive. Um, As a young professional, uh, you know, starting off his education, um, his post-secondary education, where am I? What is my path? and it was really like a reflective time for me like where do i go from here so i said hey you know what's the next best thing i said where can i communicate effectively with people and where can i where can i be a decision maker yeah. and, and that was that, that was politics and then i so i made the switch over and uh
0: yeah no. you were you were working in quebec city you were working yeah. for the speaker yeah um I
1: mean, and it was in but my first job ever in quebec city was working for jeffrey kelly okay so for i was working for jeff kelly who Member of the National Assembly for the West Island at the time and was working at his ministerial office. Um, I think Jeff told me I still have the record for being the youngest political advisor inside of a ministerial office.
0: You uh, what, 18? 18. 18.
1: And, and, you know, I had half of the files in the office. I was working with um, English-speaking indigenous populations across Quebec. Yeah. So the Cree, the Algonquin, um, you know, the Inuit in their own rights. Um, and it was, you know, trial by fire. And I, I think I pulled it together pretty well. And then from there, you know, um, after a little
0: while, went to go work for uh, for Jacques Chagnot. Speaker, speaker of the house, uh, obviously, you know, more or less neutral mm-hmm. uh, position, right? So yep. you're behind the scenes uh, in this, uh, you know, with these responsibilities where you can't really take a position, right? You don't want to tarnish the name of the speaker of the house mm-hmm. and so on. So you go from there to like full out, <laughs> candidate, Yeah. Uh, here I am. Tell me about that transition. How does, how does that? How does that happen? I think you know. I've always had conservative values
1: um, and fiscally conservative because I'm, I'm very progressive in that sense. There, obviously, you know, very you know proud of our LGBTQ stance. We're a very openly LGBTQ-friendly party. Um, you know, a, st- a party that you know I'm a I'm pro-choice. Um, and I'm very proud to be pro-choice. Um, and you know, I'm a progressive conservative in that sense there. On fiscal issues, um, I, I think that fiscal conservatism is something that we need to bring back to Canada because over the past four years, we have not had that. Mm-hmm. Um so I think at the end of the day, it was was it a difficult transition? You know what? It was difficult during those those years that I was working for the speaker and that I was working um, in 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 his shadow. of of neutrality, Mm -hmm. and those were the difficult times. Now I've sort of been like unleashed.
0: Yeah, you're almost free, right? There's a sense of uh, like freedom. You can actually do and say what you want without having uh,
1: Well, you still have to be careful about what you say. Yeah, absolutely. But I mean, you're not
0: doing it, like for example, with the thought of you know what are people going to say? What is your boss going to say? Can I do that? Is it gonna is it gonna affect any decisions mm-hmm. right. that you know we're working on or you know that that sort of yeah. thing? and I and I think so. It's like a weight off your shoulders, kind of.
1: For sure, and I, and I think that's that's what it's like for any, um, you know, whatever you're doing, whatever job you're doing. I mean, even working as a reporter, I mean, like the questions you ask, um, how, hold hold weights. They have weight. They have clout. I mean, yeah. it's a it's a privilege to be a reporter. You know, a funny story is like you know when I was working for CJD, um, I had to go off site to Burlington, Vermont. And It was the first time I was again, 1718, going to Burlington for it was the meeting of New England governors mm-hmm. and Eastern Canadian premiers, and I was there to cover Jean Charest. Yeah. It was actually a week before the September 2012 election that Charest lost. Yeah. And Pauline Marois became yeah. premier of Quebec under a PQ minority government. I was there. I, I, did, I didn't have a driver's license then. I still don't have one now. I've never <laughs> driven a car in my life. Um, I, I truly am uh, that kind of guy who bixies around Montreal and, and only uses public transit. Um, but when I got there, I couldn't get to one of the press briefings, yeah. one of the press conferences. And Hugo Damour, who was working for Jean Charest at the time, press at the show, yeah. exactly, felt so bad for me and said, Michael, jump into... The SQ card, the Siltzuki du Québec no card Come with me. We're gonna go. We're gonna get you the press conference. That's so funny. You know, because he said, "Like, look at this. This poor guy from CJD. They don't even he doesn't have a driver's license. You know, can't get a can't nice hail a cab around here." Yeah. And and I finally got a, a one-on-one exclusive with Peter Shumlin, the governor of Vermont at the time, yeah. and Jean Charest. And and the reason why I bring this up is that when I was interviewing them and I was talking with them and I was saying, "Look at you know, seeing like the access that somebody like like I had." To myself, you know what? These are these are the decision makers. These are the people that want to make their respective jurisdictions better um, for their kids, for their grandkids, and for that of all Quebecers. And at the time, you know, Vermonters for Governor Shumlin. Um, I said to myself, you know what? This is something that that could interest me. Mm-hmm. Being able to make positive change like that, and um, so it made sense. Hey, it's me again. <laughs> You got to flip it this way though. I know, people keep on pushing well, them the other way. I, I think...
0: St. Uh, Catherine, it's like I've a flood th- of people they're, they're here. They're giving me either a, a high five or <laughs> not so much. Yeah, they, they don't know that they even touched you there. Yeah. Um, your nomination though, it came really early on in the year. Uh, yeah, it was uh, late April. Late April? Yeah. You had a, a lot of time though to prepare and start working on the ground while your uh, your opponent was you know, pretty much stuck in Ottawa mm-hmm. working. Um, tell me about some of the messages that you got or the people that you, that you met, what, like, the, the feeling that you get on the ground. The most important uh,
1: barometer, I think, in terms of getting that feeling is the door-to-door. Mm-hmm. And I, I think, you know, it's James Carville for, from CNN, when he was an advisor for, uh, for Bill Clinton, everybody, everybody knows this in, in politics, but for your listeners, uh, you know, he was asked, you know, what is the most important issue? And he said, well, it's the economy, stupid. And, and, and that's what it comes down to it's the economy and it's, it's affordability. Um, people can't get by um, It's not even a question of getting ahead they just they can't get by yeah um, when I'm hearing from people that they're struggling to pay their, their mortgage payments they're struggling to pay their groceries um, in areas in Montreal where you would not expect it so you think affluent areas mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm. people are hurting and they know things have gotten more expensive for them. And they know that it's not just like that for them, but it's for their neighbors too. You know, two-thirds of Canadians um, are struggling at this point, say recent studies. And I think that it's a consequence of, you know, the past four years we've had Justin Trudeau raising, you know, an 80%, 80% of people in the middle class are paying eight hundred, at least $800 more than what they were paying previously under Stephen Harper. And I think that's the consequences of, you know, when you bring in social programs and you want to you know develop this sort of, you know, socialistic utopia, um, you know, these are the consequences. People hurt financially. Mm-hmm. And, and that's what I've been hearing there. Other issues, obviously, very important, the environment. Uh, how are we able to combat, how are we able to fight climate change? And I think through, you know, I'm somebody who believes, and our party believes, that it's going to be through green technology and not through taxes. Um, Tech over taxes any day is the best way. And that's what we've really been pushing for in terms of being able to incentivize um, corporations and major emitters in terms of being able to put money into research and development, into carbon capture, uh, and and general green tech. And and I think that is the best way to go forward. in in terms of fighting climate change right now. We've seen that over the past um, three, four years, uh, the Liberals have not been able to make the Paris targets. Mm -hmm. Um, In 2016, they were off by 44 megatons. In 2017, they were off by 66 megatons. Now in 2018, they're going to be off by 108 megatons.
0: But neither was the previous uh, Conservative government, mind you, right? Not as bad as
1: this. Not as bad as what we've seen over the past three years. And and Trudeau, for him saying that he was going to be a major major force to be reckoned with when it came to climate change. Uh, He's obviously been pretty lackluster from this standpoint. And a lot of room, um, it's given us a lot of room to be able to present our plan, uh, 55 points um, on how we can make the environment better, uh, obviously reduce our emissions, but working in tandem with major emitters, uh, not taxing, uh, you know, groceries, for example, that are being hit with a carbon tax, at the end of the day, the carbon tax is only hitting about 8% of major corporations that are major, that, that are big polluters. The rest, the 92%, it's coming onto that coffee there in your hand. Yeah. It's coming onto your grocery bill, it's coming onto your gas bill, it's coming into your heating bill. This is not acceptable for, for everyday Canadians to be having to foot the bill for
0: this. So, um, Say you're elected on 21st of October, mm-hmm. you're obviously downtown, there's a lot of things happening downtown. What are some of the things that you would love to, to change or to work on?
1: First and foremost, I mean, if you look at the constituency overall, because this is something that affects the entire riding, um, but also I would say primarily also Nunn's Island is is, is the demolition of the Champlain Bridge. Yeah. Um, we uh, have a, a beautiful bridge that was uh, announced by by Prime Minister Stephen Harper, yeah. and uh, we're very proud of the fact that it was a Conservative government that led the effort for a new Champlain Bridge. Um, even the Liberals uh, tried taking credit for it over the past uh, four years. Uh, what we need now is. An action plan to take care and ensure that the demolition of the Champlain Bridge is done in a way that is respectful to the environment yeah. and is respectful also to the people that live around the bridge and access that area every day. That is a big concern in terms of congestion right now for those that are in and around Nuns Island and also in and around downtown Montreal. Yeah. So it's it's something that the the, the plan has not been effectively communicated. That's something that's been very um, uh, annoying.
0: There's no um, timeline either, right? I no. mean.
1: And, and and this is the, the the major thing too is that even even with a, an established timeline, the delays are, are the biggest worry. Just like you know, we faced delays with the Champlain Bridge uh, over the uh, when the Liberals came in. So I mean, it's uh, those are the consequences that we're facing right now, and and that's what I, I'm worried from that perspective there. But you know, it's it's also a very you know just in terms of a, you know affordability and getting by and and things getting more difficult over the past four years, it's it's a challenge I think for any um, MP that represents an urban riding that. Uh, you 're dealing with wealth disparity a, a big wealth gap between um, you know the, the top of my riding, the northern part of my riding and the, and the golden square mile being fairly affluent, fairly wealthy um, the middle the middle section here a mix um, obviously times where I would say were tougher for for this sort of downtown core uh, you know little burgundy um, you know point saint charles uh, the, these are areas where um, you know families are truly struggling and and then again, to the south in nun's Island again. Retired, but also a mix of new families too—new yeah. young families mm-hmm. that are coming in over there. So it's it's a challenge for any uh, elected official. I think in this area to be able to, um, you know, concretely put on paper uh, a plan that would be able to serve uh, the global sense of the riding. I think it's a question of dividing into sectors and being yeah. able to target efficiently. You need to have a message for each of the of the of the, the quartiers of, of yeah. the uh, of the neighborhoods itself.
0: So, like, you, you look downtown, obviously, it doesn't take a genius to figure out that there's a lot of office space. A lot of people yeah. work here. It's, it's, your, it's your downtown core. Mm-hmm. There's been recent uh, uh, developments uh, provincially in Quebec and two bills specifically, Bill 9 and Bill 21, mm-hmm. uh, that are, that are going to have, if, if they haven't had already, an impact uh, not only in the people living in your riding, but in the businesses um, in this uh, in this writing. You know, we're talking about Bill 9, uh, you know, restrictions on immigration policies, which, uh, you know, comes at a time where we already know that there's a labor shortage. Right. So obviously that has an impact. Especially uh, in the regions. Uh, yeah, in the yeah. regions. But, uh, I mean... the downtown's facing it too, for sure. Downtown as well. Um, and you have a very diverse population that is seeing the effects of Bill 21, where we're restricting the um, uh, restricting them to where, you know, religious symbols... Uh, in public uh, workspaces, uh, of course, these are provincial, uh, provincial jurisdictions. I think that this is a topic that everyone is kind of afraid to touch. Um, nobody really wants to, uh, you know, to, to, to take on that question because of the fact that you know you're you're in an election right now and you don't want to uh, affect the Quebec population. Uh, Bill Twenty One is serious; it's being contested right now. Yep. Uh, how do you feel about that? I mean, I know that your leader came out and said, you know, they're not going to challenge it if, uh, you know, if, uh, if a conservative government were, get, were to get elected. How do you deal with something like that when you have people in this riding that are ultimately going to be affected by it? I think that it, this is something in terms of social issues that
1: has been on the front of minds of uh, not just Quebecers, but all Canadians. Because the rest of Canada has been watching the developments of mm-hmm. Bill 21 here. Mm-hmm. And uh, I can tell you that um, when I go door-to-door, when I speak with people, I'm getting mixed messages depending on who I'm speaking to. Yeah. Um, at the end of the day, I think it's a question of respect. And you said it yourself, it's a provincial matter. In that sense there, it's provincial jurisdiction. And I think it's important to be able to respect the, uh, the consequences of uh, elections and democratic elections. The CAC was elected in October of 2018. Uh, with a mandate to go forward with this legislation. Quebecers voted for that. Um, And I think it's important to respect uh, the will of the voters. That being said, the other thing that my leader said, that Andrew Scheer said, was that we would in no way whatsoever ever bring similar legislation of this kind to the federal level. That will not be happening. And Canadians can be assured that we will never uh, put forward uh, legislation of that nature. But at the same time, we need to respect the fact that this is something that Quebecers voted for, and you have to always respect the will of the voters. The only, you know, it may look at polls, public opinion polls. Everybody's infatuated by polls these days, and polls, poll aggregators. The only poll that matters is the poll on election day. Yeah, exactly. You know this as well as I do. do. So it's, that's what it comes down to. Um,
0: You know, you guys came out of the gates, man. Punching, uh, You beat Justin Trudeau to, to the launch of the campaign, which I thought yep. was masterful. Yeah. Uh, do you think that's going to set the pace for the campaign? Do you think we're going to be seeing attacks flying left, right, and center mm. from, from either side? It's, it's
1: sad, but I, 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 I'm always a, a positive thinker. Um, but I think that we need to be... Uh, you need to know when to punch. Mm-hmm. And you need to know when to fight. And you need to be calculated with that. Um, the liberals have certainly made it very easy for us. Uh, just on the ethics file alone, uh, you look at SNC... Uh, you look at uh, you know the fact that Jody Wilson-Raybould uh, was interviewed just two days ago by the RCMP. Uh, there is a preliminary investigation uh, going on, so they are in the step. The RCMP is currently in the step before an investigation would be launched, um, and they are interviewing witnesses the, that believe that uh, there was a um, major political maneuvering inside of the Prime Minister's office uh, that violated the law. And we already know that you know, the prime minister violated the ethics law twice, twice. Um, you know, Mario Dion came out and, and made that very clear. But uh, in recent events, it's in the recent uh, past few weeks, it's, it's been very uh, public in the sense of, you know, the ethics commissioner coming out and saying that the prime minister broke the ethics law when it came to the SNC affair. Mm-hmm. The influence that was the undue influence and the pressure that was put on the attorney general at the time, Jody Wilson-Raybould, was completely inappropriate and illegal.
0: See, this is the thing about the SNC leveling. Uh, You know, everyone's calling it a scandal. I just think it's one of those damned if you do, damned if you don't kind of situations, Mm -hmm. you know, where had he not done anything and those, you know, thousands of jobs were to be lost, he'd get slammed. But they weren't going to be
1: lost. And I'll tell you one thing. The the, the chief executive officer of SNC came out, came out and said those jobs were never at risk. Those 9,000 jobs here in Montreal were never, ever at risk of leaving. And that's it. when you have SNC saying that themselves, that that, makes you, that, that is exactly what uh, needs to be public. And I mean, the, the fact that, uh, you know, when, when you have the chief electoral, uh, the chief executive officer of the company that is at the forefront of, of minds of all Canadians coming in and saying that jobs were never at risk in this case, you have to ask yourself, what was the prime minister thinking in this in this moment? And what he was thinking was about, he was putting himself, the fact that he's a Quebec MP, putting that first without looking at the rule of law. And I think that is a terrible way to govern. You need to always follow the equal, fair nature of natural law. And I think that is something that Justin Trudeau definitely needs a lesson on. Maybe his new attorney general can tell him that.
0: Uh, So you guys are already, it's been a couple of days into the campaign, we're Mm -hmm. hearing a lot of things, you know, uh, a lot of attacks uh, on his moral uh, ability to lead. canada uh, as a prime minister and from their side there's a lot of uh, attacks coming uh, in terms of uh, andrew shears respect for you know different uh, human rights and you know we we're talking about the um, questions on abortion um that whole thing that happened during you know pride month where Nobody saw him uh, parading, and, you know, they start questioning I was marching. On, I were marched, marching, abroad. yeah. We, yep, had, six, we had
1: 60 amazing conservative candidates and volunteers marching in, in Montreal Pride, and we had Toronto Pride also. Um, so we were very happy to have that. But uh, no, I, I think there's, just, just on, on the social fronts like that and then the criticism we, we, we've received in that sense there, I think there's many ways that you can support uh, the LGBTQ plus community here in Canada. Um, you know, one way is, is defending... Um, the rights of, of all members of that community globally. And that was something that, you know, Andrew was proud to do alongside John Baird and alongside Stephen Harper during our, our conservative government, of so 10 years, um, when, you know, we were calling out uh, African dictatorships for uh, persecuting and, and killing gays mm-hmm. uh, for the simple fact that they were gay. Mm-hmm. And, and, and that is something that we as a government were proud to call out and, and when no other member of the common, well, Commonwealth would, when no other member of the First World would, Canada was there and Canada denounced that. So I'm proud as a mm-hmm. Conservative for the fact that we, we took that and we will continue that uh, under, under Andrew's leadership when he becomes Prime Minister on October 21st.
0: Uh, do you think uh, if he were to get elected, do you think we're going to see him uh, marching uh, soon in a Pride parade? Listen, it's, it's a personal decision. It was a personal decision for me to march in the in the, the parade in itself.
1: Uh, yeah. I think at the end of the day, you know, it's uh, you got to leave it at that. But, I mean, the fact is, uh, you know, Andrew's been very supportive of, of our caucus, of our, our candidates. Uh, you know, we've got many LGBTQ candidates running across uh, coast to coast to coast, and, and we're, he's proud to have them alongside the team.
0: How do you reassure... Um because there's, there's a pretty important faction uh, that are supporting the Conservative uh, Party but that that are pro-life, you know, in this whole debate on abortion, mm-hmm. right? Um, how do you convince them that, and, you know, Andrew Scheer came out and said under his government he will not revisit the question, but there's all these things surfacing now, about you know, with candidates that are, that are saying that that's their main mission uh, and, you know, it's a big question mark on whether or not any... Uh, Member of Parliament from the Conservative uh, Party will, will, will table uh, a private member's bill revisiting this question, whether or not Andrew Scheer um, will accept it or not. Right. right? Um, what do you say to these people that are supporting the Conservative Party that, but that are pro-life? I, I say to them that
1: <laughs> there are pro-life members of Parliament currently in the, in the House of Commons in the Liberal Party. And, and that's something that that is not disputed. There are currently 14 mm-hmm. members of Justin Trudeau's caucus that um, are, are pro-life. Uh, just like, you know, in our caucus, we have members that are pro-life. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, it's it, it's something that happens on both sides. And look at the fact is that, you know, you look at public opinion polling. I said, you know, the only polls that matter are the ones on election day. But I'm going to go look at, <laughs> we're going to look at some public opinion polling no, right now. No, but it's now.
0: important because yeah. it gives you an image of what people think at a certain, you know, given
1: but, time. They will say, generally speaking, anywhere, anywhere between... Um, A third to between a quarter to a third of Canadians are in one way or another pro-life Depending on certain definitions Mm -hmm. different polling firms have different ways of defining what is pro-life and what is pro-choice? that is anybody will say that is a a Sizable amount of the population between a quarter to a third of Canadians. Yeah Um, We need to respect the views of all Canadians But at the same time, we made a decision that this debate is closed because the majority of Canadians have said this debate is closed. Mm -hmm. And we have put that aside. But At the end of the day, we cannot govern the individual personal decisions and personal beliefs and faiths of caucus members, just like Trudeau can't do the same thing Mm to his caucus members. They have their beliefs. The one thing that we can do is say, hey, we as a party have made a decision, we're in 2019, We've come to the conclusion that this is decided on, and as a pro choice, hopefully a pro choice MP soon to be, um, I, I, I'm, I'm happy with that that position right there because I know that it will, you know, women's rights
0: will be protected in that sense. There. Uh, let's talk about the platform. Obviously, it hasn't been announced yet. It's going to be coming out during the campaign. You've little always, by little. Yeah. Yeah. course, there's going to be different announcements. We're going to get the costings and the, you know the, the the whole budgeting of the the. the platform as well. Mm-hmm. You've obviously been briefed. I don't want you to, you know, give out the scoop or anything, but what can we expect the Conservatives to uh, to campaign on?
1: Well, I can tell you, we're definitely, we're, I mean, when it comes to, you know, putting things out there in terms of spending, uh, we're not going to start spending until we're able to uh, pay for it. I mean, new spending requires us being able to afford that. You know, government should be able to spend and budget the same way that a family does. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, you you don't go on the vacation if you know you need to replace your roof after a bad storm. Um, I think at the end of the day, uh, you know Canadians expect their government to be able to budget the same way they do and have the same respect for uh, you know fiscal issues as they do at home when they're trying to uh, make ends meet. I think at the end of the day, one of the things that we're not going to be doing is giving twelve million dollars to major companies like Loblaw's, for example, to go buy fridges. Uh, which came out the past few weeks, uh, we're not going to be giving two hundred and fifty million dollars to the Asian Development Bank uh, to support infrastructure projects outside of Canada. Yeah. We're not going to be, you know, paying for uh, Justin Trudeau's two hundred and fifteen thousand dollars trips to the Bahamas because he's not going to be prime minister anymore. So it's going to be fantastic, and Andrew is going to be using his own money to uh, to go on vacation. Uh, you know, I think that, you,
0: know, look, the, you these are
1: these are the the, the types of of, of spending. Uh, you know nonsense that has driven Canadians crazy over the past four years under like Justin Trudeau. How do you?
0: How, how do you think? Okay, let's say you guys win. Okay, on, on October twenty-first, people graffitied our signs. Do you Everyone. see yeah, this? Yeah, yeah.
1: Everybody, but I'm. There's well, a big I'm, I'm X okay, there. before. No, there was the other one, one, one I had an but X. But so it's a blue, so X, blue X though. But so it, yeah, yeah, because yeah, somebody yeah. was voting for me, you <laughs> see. So <laughs> yeah. they're they're early voters. Vote early. Vote often. Um, don't vote twice because that's illegal
0: the challenge that you're going to have should you get elected on 21st of October look I think in terms of the budget the liberals were way off course right I mean uh, collectively what about 70 billion dollar in deficit which is uh, really off what they had um, what that campaigned on in 2015 but right. let's say you come into government now you're gonna have to assume the responsibility of limited government uh, government spending mm-hmm. in order to make up for that yeah so that automatically means cutting right no uh,
1: it, it does not autom- automatically mean cutting it it means us being able to ensure that uh, the expenditures and the bloated government that um, Trudeau has put forward in the past four years mm-hmm. does not continue in that sense. There, the reason why he was unable to balance the budget, as he said, and believe you and me, bal- budgets do not balance themselves, is because year after year, Bill Morneau made more spending promises that were outside of the scope of the Liberal platform. Mm-hmm. So we did not see that coming. My point being is that people, whenever a conservative government um, comes in, or the potential for a government, for a conservative government to be formed, is, is, is on the verge there, they start using um, uh, words like austerity, spending cuts, uh, you know, where we're not going to, you, know, uh, you know, people are, it's, it's the end of the world, essentially, and, and there's no way that we can elect the Conservatives. Um, we have made the commitment that, be it for your old age security, be it for, um, you know, your, your child uh, tax benefits, uh, your social services that you depend on, that are so essential to um, Canadians being able to ensure they can have what they need, uh, the bare necessities, those will never be touched. We have made that commitment, we have budgeted that into our plan, we will not be cutting that whatsoever. And that's very important for us to put that forward and to be very clear with Canadians that we are not going to cut.
0: Uh, we're gonna close it up, I know you're very busy, You have a, you have more campaigning to do. So we still have a few signs to put up still exactly so um, you're 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 running in a riding that traditionally is uh, it's a pretty you know uh, safe riding for the liberals mm-hmm. um, how do you how do you convince your electors that you know you're the right guy for them when they see a 25 year old running for the first time
1: um, I have a decent amount of experience they know that I've worked in um, I've worked in a constituency office before, I've worked in a ministerial office. They know that I have the experience behind me, they know that I have the determination. When I'm going door-to-door and I'm speaking with uh, constituents, I'll tell you a quick story in this sense. I was knocking in in Nun's Island. I went to the door, lovely elderly lady came to the door and I started speaking to her and she started getting so upset and so angry at me. And she, said, she started saying to me, you're saying in French, you know you, you know, you don't return my calls, and, I, and, I'm, and I'm trying to get responses you. what's from wrong your, with what's you? What's wrong bro? with you? Yeah. And, and she, said, she started saying, you know, Mr. Miller, like, what's that?" And I said, <laughs> I said, no, 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 no. madame, je no, <laughs> m'appelle Michael Fourier. And she said, but Mr. Miller. That's funny. No. So as somebody who understands the link of, you know, being able to respond to your constituents, be able to respond to the needs and demands that they have, Um, I understand that that is the first uh, first responsibility that an MP should have yeah. Yeah. is being able to respond effectively. Even if you don't have the answer, being able to say, "Hey, I got what you, I got what you sent me. Mm-hmm. I know that you, ph- you phoned me. I know that you sent me an email. I'm going to get back to you." And even if your answer is not the answer you're, you're looking, they're looking for, at least you were able to respond. Yeah. You did your duty as a parliamentarian, as somebody who is able to serve your constituents. This is the bare minimum you can do. When I'm seeing that my liberal adversary is not fulfilling to the extent that he swore that he would um, to serve his constituents properly. I'm worried. I'm worried. So I've made the promise to people. I've made the promise that I will be there for you. Come October 21st, as your conservative MP in this writing, I'm there to serve everybody. I don't care who you voted for. Be it conservatives, liberals, NDP. Even if you voted for the Rhino Party, I will be there for you. So.
0: All right, man, let's close that up. Um, some closing uh, statements. Tell me uh, any messages you want to get out to the people voting on the 21st.
1: Uh, go vote. Uh, whoever you're voting for, the most important thing is that you participate in, uh, in our democracy. And uh, it is the most important decision uh, that you will be making because I truly believe that this is the most important election uh, in Canadian history. Um, in our 150 years plus um, as a confederation, I think that this will be the most consequential People know where the parties stand. Um, I think that the Conservative Party and Andrew Scheer as our next Prime Minister is the best choice for Canadians. Uh, but at the end of the day, the only person who is right is the voters.
0: Thanks a lot, bro. I appreciate hey, it. Hey, this was, was a work. lot of fun. Thank you, dude. We're gonna uh, we're gonna do this again. Absolutely. All right, man. Thanks Until a lot. Next time.